a reading from Luke. Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first? And consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If he cannot, then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I think that maybe... I know what you are thinking. You are thinking, I don't like this text. I understand. It's not one of my favorites either. Actually, I've never heard anyone say that text about hating your mother and your father. I just love that one. So you can imagine my trepidation when I realized I would be preaching my first Sunday sermon here at Central on this scripture. I would have liked to talk to you about something a little bit more cheerful. And while the scripture text preached down the hall at the well is different sometimes than the one here today, this is not one of those days. So I'm sorry there's no respite for you down there. I expect they're also struggling with it. It's a tough text. But if you would like to go down there and hear what Will is preaching, that's okay. I won't be hurt. Or we can just stay here and wrestle together this text. Like, did Jesus really mean it when he said hate? After spending all that time earlier in Luke telling us who and how to love, include loving our enemies, now he says hate our family? What's that about? Or we can say that this is just too hard. It's Labor Day weekend for crying out loud. Let's just go home now and start the grill. Really, when you think about it, our reactions to this text aren't all that different from the reactions of the crowd in Jesus' time. Most likely what Jesus said stirred up questions, the same emotions in them. They struggled with the same options we do. We can imagine the scene. Jesus is traveling from town to town, and the Pew Research poll is humming in his favor. He's with the the Pharisees' hands down in arguments, set the leaders and lawyers on their ears. He's even taken on that sly fox Herod, and Jesus is drawing quite a crowd. His few chosen and called disciples are with him, but for the most part, the throng is less of a pilgrimage and more of a party. Some are curious. Some are hoping to claim their seats early if Jesus is building an empire. Probably most are just there for the entertainment value. But I don't think we would be wrong to imagine a loud and rollicking crowd tagging along until Jesus turns and levels them. 
you're really going to be my disciple, you must take your family. Give up all your possessions, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, these people in this time and place, they might have a little bit of an advantage over us in hearing Jesus' words. They would understand that in saying hate, Jesus doesn't mean hate, the emotion. Hate as in anger and hostility. He is not saying go home and pack your bags, yell at your family that you hate them, and slam the door in your way out like a school kid given a curfew. And Jesus is not backpedaling on everything he has said today about love. What Jesus is saying is if you want to be my disciple, you have to detach yourself from. You must turn away from anything that is going to stand in your way of your commitment to being my disciple. Whether that is your family, your home, your possessions, your way of life. And then he adds, and you will need to take up your cross and follow me. You would be wise to count the cost before you take another step. The people stopped dead in their tracks. Other than a few whispers of, what did he say? It's very quiet. When Jesus turns and starts to walk, we can imagine some of them holding back, the crowd starting to break apart. Small groups begin to debate what he meant. Others head for home. Maybe it would be better to wait for another show, one that doesn't quite require so much audience participation. The group that continues to follow Jesus is decidedly smaller, silent, sober. And Jesus says, society, you don't detach yourself from your family. Your role in your family is who you are. And in a day when there are no health insurance policies or pensions, you take care of your own. How can you give up your possessions, your security, to take care of yourself and your family? Who can set aside who they really are, their very life, and do this? Who wants to take up a cross, whatever that may be? Jesus told the crowd a hard truth about being a disciple. But the fact is that Jesus' words are as hard on our ears as they were on theirs. We might be relieved that he's not demanding that we hate our families. But I'm not sure the idea of detaching ourselves from those we love, from our possessions, from ourselves for the sake of discipleship, goes down any easier. And the world tells us exactly the opposite. Our culture bombards us on all sides with the message to hold on to everything we can be grasping and be happy. We deserve nothing less. But the kingdom of God is different. And the gospel tells a different story than the world might hear. Jesus, God incarnate, comes down to us. He lives among us. He knows our joys. He knows our sorrows. He carries those crosses and ultimately the cross for us. Jesus dies and is risen to new life so that we might have that life too. If Jesus is our Lord, he comes first. If we would be his disciples, nothing comes between him and us. And since Jesus carried that cross, we can do no less if we would follow him. In the following, we, lead a, we learn a new way of life. As he gave himself away, we give ourselves away in his name. As his cross led to new life, so our crosses are life-giving to others, 
to ourselves. Please know that I know that many of you understand what it is to bear a cross. And contrary to that phrase, how that's tossed around in conversation, cross-bearing has nothing to do with suffering, with an illness, with carrying the weight of unemployment, with grieving the loss of a loved one or a broken relationship or so many other personal struggles. With as painful as those are, they are not crosses that we choose. Cross-bearing is a conscious, voluntary decision to take up a task or a ministry in response to our commitment to follow Jesus. And many of you do just that. Worship leadership, family promise, Sakahatchee, Bible classes and Sunday school, beds ministry, Wednesday nights at Central, Costa Rica mission trips, hospitality ministry. I'm sorry if I haven't said every ministry. There are so many that would never get to communion. The list is long. The sacrifice is great. The part that you play in these ministries, the crosses you take up, they are not small or trivial. But I pray that in your cross-bearing that there are moments of joy, that when your arm hurts from pounding nails, when you have swatted one more Costa Rican mosquito than you ever wanted to meet, when you've picked up the umpteenth child from the floor of the nursery, when your eyes are burning from writing committee agendas, I hope that you have moments of gratitude to God for a sense of purpose. Times when you lift a prayer of thanksgiving because you get to see the light in a child's eye when a penny drops for them during a Bible lesson. When you can share an evening with a homeless family that is able to sleep in peace and comfort in a safe place. When you see the good fruit that comes from all that meeting and planning. When you hear this sanctuary full of soaring music that God gave you the talent to create. Yes, discipleship means sacrifice, but if that sacrifice is never life-given to you, maybe it's time to lay down that cross, to stop, and to take some time to discern. But then, no fair not picking up another cross. Look around you. The needs are too many. And if you have been on cross-bearing vacation for a while, look around. The needs are too many. I don't know about you, but I feel pretty bitten by Jesus' hard words this morning. Was he using overstatement as shock value to get the crowd's attention and ours? If so, he succeeded. But maybe we should be worried if we never feel bitten by Jesus' words, if we are that deaf in our complacency. Jesus demands that we take discipleship seriously. He cares enough that he doesn't mince words. We may never fully understand them, but that doesn't mean that we should stop wrestling with the truth of them and how we are called to respond. But I would caution two dangers as we plumb this text. The first is the danger of believing that we can commit to discipleship and follow through on our own, that we are one or can become one of the select few who have the right stuff to become perfect disciples. The other danger is thinking that because we aren't that, we need to fall back, accept failure, and slink off for home. The perfect disciple never existed. Those disciples that followed, continued to follow after Jesus that day, we can assume they were sincere, 
But then they stumbled and fell. They got up and they stumbled and they fell. Did Peter never fail? James and John, Thomas, even Paul had his weaknesses. And do you think that any one of them could truly understand what the future held for them? Is that possible for any fallible human being? I don't believe Jesus meant that if you can't guarantee 100% commitment and faithfulness to that commitment forever, don't even apply for the job of disciple. But he tells us to consider the cost. We would be wise to hear those words and take them to heart. God's grace poured out to us is free. Jesus paid the cost for us. To follow as his faithful disciples is joyful and life-giving and costless. Amen.